this is Faithful and Fruitful, a podcast for youth ministry and youth leaders. We're proudly brought to you by Taz Youth Convention and Vision 100. Welcome back to Faithful and Fruitful, the podcast designed for youth leaders. It is really good to be here. Um, my name's Marty. I'm joined, as always, with Mike. Mike, how are you? Very well, thanks, mate. But here we are. We're beginning the year um, thinking about um, how to be faithful and fruitful. Mike, I thought I'd ask you, why have we called this podcast Faithful and Fruitful? Because we think that's what Jesus calls us to. Uh, as his followers, we want to be people who are faithful to the call of the Lord Jesus, faithful to the call of the gospel, uh, and that we'll be faithful in, in how we go and, and do our ministry. But we're called to be fruitful. We're called to be good stewards. We're, we're called to... Um, to want to see um, outcomes. Yeah, I, I reckon it's really important because I don't know how many weeks you get into a youth group term, it's very easy to lose sight of why you are doing this on a Friday and it is very easy to say, there's no point to this. It is our dream, I think, on this podcast that youth ministries across Australia would be faithful and fruitful. I think today we want to focus on one aspect of that and that is being fruitful um, and what that looks like. Um, Mike, what, what does the word fruitful mean to you when you think of Christian ministry? Well, that we would see the outcomes that God is looking for. People loving God and loving others, seeing people put their faith in Jesus, uh, seeing fruit, um, and so is people growing in their faith, living out their faith. That is fruit as well. Yeah. We want to see both those things. Yeah, when I, when I think of fruitful, one of the things I think of is seeing the ministry multiply, seeing um, things that we do as youth leaders or youth ministers multiply so that other people are doing it, sometimes even better than us. The tagline I want to focus on this morning is bearing fruit on other people's trees. It's not a term I made up or that we've made up, but it's a term I would like to use this morning. Seeing fruit or growing fruit on other people's trees uh, how do you understand that concept? What's well, a leadership idea, right? When you um, take on leadership roles, often you um, you move um, further and further from the coal face, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, because you can't buy, you can't do all of the things, and so uh, having people around you sharing in the work, you step back, and you're not you might not be directly involved in some of the on-the-ground things that are producing fruit. And so you might be leading a youth ministry where kids are becoming Christians in groups that you are not a part of, right. uh, where kids are growing in their faith through talks that you are not giving or discussion groups that you are not leading, um, where kids are coming and joining um, even into ministries that you, you might oversee but rarely attend because of your role. I suppose a more familiar term that I want to use in relation to bearing fruit on other people's trees, discipleship, where we are raising up a team of people to do the work that God has set for us in the kingdom, specifically in youth ministry, so that they're not just attenders or absorbers, but they are givers and contributors. Which leads me to that question, why do we find, why do we as youth leaders, youth ministers, find it hard to bear fruit in other people's trees? Like, why do we find it hard? there's probably a variety of reasons why people find it hard some of them are just natural it's it's hard to when you're doing something and you're 
proficient at it, you're doing it well, um, it can be difficult to step away from that thing. So sometimes we don't, um, we worry maybe that the outcomes might not be as good, if you will, if we were to step out of it. Uh, and so that makes it difficult for us. Uh, sometimes um, we, we might be proficient at one thing and moving into a role of leadership is something that, like it's a new skill we have to learn. And so an easy thing to do when you're given that responsibility and you're not quite sure what to do, you're not quite as confident and not quite as competent, you want to drop back into doing what you know. Because yeah, right. it's, I think that'd be some of it. And then probably some of it as well, you know, from a theological point of view, I think would be maybe not thinking hard enough about the truth that we are a body. Right, right. That God's church is a body gifted in different ways. People have different gifts and actually people have different gifts to you and and can be used um, by God to, to do the growing of fruit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we need to really hold, hold on to that theological truth. Yeah. One of the reasons that I don't train others to do other things, I'm just too busy. I, I'm living in the moment the only thing I can see is getting to the next Friday night or Sunday afternoon. I don't have time to think about the next few weeks, let alone the next few years. And yet, I feel like as a leader, that is part of my responsibility to step out of the living for the moment and ministering in the moment. So that's one thing I've seen. And another thing I've seen actually, which is sort of cute to begin with, but becomes really destructive, is a ministry protection so I'm really protective of the bit that I'm doing. I do it the best anyway, so therefore I don't want other people to do it. And it is kind of like uh, endearing in a sense that someone's very passionate about clicking the slides or running the fast game or, or even the supper because they've got the gluten-free options down to a, a fine heart, right? But that protectiveness actually prevents or inhibits discipleship for others. I want to put an idea to you, Mike, and to anyone who's listening. How do we prepare for 2040? Well, firstly, you've got to change your horizon as a leader. You need to get your eyes up to think about, well, where could we be in 2040? And under God, how might we get there? Because if you're thinking about 2040 now, you're talking about multiple generations of youth. Like, like if you've got a youth ministry that goes to grade seven to grade 12, you're gonna have like full turnover twice between now and then. And so that can be hard to conceive of because it means the kids who are gonna be coming to your youth ministry in grade seven are like only just being born now. And so it can be hard to get your head around it. So getting your eyes up, thinking about where it is, and then working backwards from there to start to think about, well, what would we want to see and how would we get there? And then taking that down into smaller and smaller chunks. Because that's like really, that's the way any good strategic planning works. Like sometimes strategic planning seems like a sort of a, a really complicated process, but it really is just thinking about where could we get to and how would we get there and then breaking that down into smaller and smaller increments until you get to what well, what should we do right now 
And when you start to think about 2040, it might be, well, we want to see our youth ministry be double the size that it is now. We want to go from 20 kids to 40 kids or 10 kids to 20 kids or 50 kids to 100 kids. But if they're all kids who haven't been born yet, (laughs) then you realise that you're not simply able, you're not fully in control of your own destiny, as it were, you, the youth ministry exists as part of a wider ecosystem in the church. If your children's ministry in the six years leading up to 2040 is struggling, or in the 12 years leading up to 2040 struggling, then it's probably unlikely that you're going to see significant growth in youth ministry, because a lot of growth in youth ministry comes through the kids' ministry. If your family's ministry in your church is struggling, you're probably not going to have many kids in your kids' ministry. Uh, if you don't have, um, you don't do well of transitioning kids out of youth ministry over the next um, fifteen odd years, you're not going to have those people around to lead. Like you see, how it's all connected, and so it becomes this bigger conversation. That's why, as a, if you're heading up the youth ministry, whether you're paid or unpaid, you can't just be out on an island. You need to see yourself as part of that ecosystem and deeply connected with um, the leadership of your church, your senior pastor, your elders, whoever it is, um, thinking about where does youth ministry fit, how does it fit in the scheme of things, um, how are the transitions going to work well, and, and thinking about it from that bigger picture. Yeah, the island, the cowboy, the youth ministries out there is one of the biggest mistakes we can make as a youth ministry. If, if you are in that situation, you may have inherited that situation, or you might have brought upon yourself because you don't like the vision of the church. But I guess we strongly recommend that you get back in and see yourself as part of the entire ecosystem for the sake of the gospel, really. I think to, con- to concretize, is that a word, concretize? It is now. Concretize. Yeah, yeah. Um, to make it concrete, you could, well, what I like to do is I'll think about particular people. So um, we had a guy, when we started our youth ministry, our weekly youth ministry at the church I'm at, uh, their oldest... Um, youth we had was in grade nine and we didn't have anyone from from that age basically right up to 30 years old and so I would just think about this guy and think what is his experience going to be like how do we how do we help him come through um, youth ministry how will we help him into those um, young adult emerging adult years um, how will we help him think about leadership because that that's sort of starting to create that platform. And so if you think about for 2040, if you can think about even now, think about find a kid who's in your crash, the youngest kid in your crash, and think about how's that kid going to get from there to, you you know, mm. under God, mm. to youth ministry. And so think about a kid and then think about who will lead that kid when they're at that age. Yeah, right. So who will be, say, 20 years old in 2040? Where are they now? I can't do that math, but work out how old they would be now and think, well, what pathway do they need to go on? Yeah, sure. And it might not be that that person, you know, you don't want to say, oh, I chose this person to head up my youth ministry when they were five years old. It doesn't work like that. Mm. But you want to be able to go, we have processes mm. that and platforms to allow the development of both kids to transition right through from, the, from creation, baby age, right through to youth ministry, but also the development of leaders as well. That's going to put you in a good place in, yeah, in 2040. Sounds good. sounds good. Well, one of the tasks of discipleship is um, 
to give people experience in leading, um, to give people exposure to what it means to themselves be a disciple. So I wanted us now to give a few tips of how, if you're a youth leader or a youth minister, how you might be able to start providing those opportunities for those underneath you. Um, here's a risk in doing it. A risk is that you invest in somebody and they're not the right person. Um, you thought that they were the right person, they showed the signs of being the right person, but they're not. Is that a risk worth taking? Absolutely. Because unless you have perfect foreknowledge, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah. You want to make, make a wise, discerning, informed decision. Yes. But you, you don't know. What's the things we can do even this coming Friday mm. to get into this mindset of growing fruit on their trees? What are yeah. some tips? Well, I think one thing that's worth doing is is don't complain about how hard it is to be a youth leader. Right. Um, you don't want younger people to hear that it's just like a, it's a real drag being yeah, youth leader. Yeah, yeah. Like I think trying to create a positive vision for why you would do it. Um, and I reckon we all actually generally have that. It can just sometimes we need to remind ourselves when it's seven o'clock on a Friday night after a long week of work Correct. or uni or whatever, that yeah, we, we're here because we are committed to it and we think it's valuable. Um, so giving a positive vision for it. And I think sometimes we hold back too much in encouraging young people to take the idea of leading and leading others and ultimately you know, leading in kids or and youth and in Bible studies and in church. Like, like, they should take that seriously as a thing that they could do. Um, and, and then have the platforms for them to do it. Like, have um, platforms for people to get involved in serving as they come through youth ministry. Um, you can then, in, in one sense, they, they self-select a little. Like you'll see people who will sort of rise to the challenge because it still surprises me who the people are. Like, and maybe that's just because I'm not, I'm not great at judging it, but you know, you get that, you go, oh, the person who becomes the weapon of a youth leader wasn't necessarily the person who you looked at them in year 10 and you were like, they'll, they'll be the one, yeah. you know? And so having platforms means that you're not putting all your eggs in, you know, I'll Benny in grade 10 when it should be Belinda, you know, but you don't, and you don't realise is you, the platforms help them and encourage them into it and, and then they self-select and, yeah. I'm wondering if you can put some concrete into those platforms. Yeah. Give me an example, one example of one platform you're thinking of. Yep, so I think you want to have places within your church where kids by mid-high school can get involved in serving. So, in a lead, sort of in a leadership role. And that usually, not always, but usually will be some sort of kids' ministry. Okay. So let's call it JLT, Junior Leadership Team. Yep. I made that up, but yep. you have a platform called Junior Leadership Team yep. where people, people in, let's say, year nine and year 10 yep. can be invited or... or uh, ha yep. So I, what I want to do for those kids is open it up to everyone yes. with expectations. Okay. So... You can be involved, yes. however, these, there's, there's leadership expectations that you need to meet. And so you're, you're so, and, and you don't, they don't need to be, you know, they're always not going to be, oh, you need five years of leadership experience or something like that. 
they're more char- they're character things and and commitment things. Yes, so you're saying if you're going to come and do this, you need to you're going to come and lead at a Friday kids program or something. Well, you need to be there every week. Yeah. You can't come when you feel like it. Not when you you need to come to the leadership training yeah. that happens through the year. You need to do so you and you lay that out for them and you lay out your commitment to them and yeah, so you you try and get you want to get as many people involved as you can. I don't, depending on what your um, safe ministry protocols are for your denomination and stuff, I would go as soon as you can get them involved in some leading. And why kids ministry tends to be the place because it's hard for a grade nine kid to take on leadership. Like, I'm trying to think of an example, like where you're like, oh, they're really good at computers. We're gonna make them the leader of the AV team and they're leading the 40 and 50. Like it, it does, it's very like, I've never seen it. Some super exceptional leader who's in grade nine. There's a point at which we generally, that we lead those younger than us generally. Yes. That's right. And so I think you're giving them the opportunity to lead down. And I think that goes up until, I reckon probably 20, I reckon until, here's my, I've got nothing to back this up other than anecdotal evidence. I reckon until you're about 25, it's, it's near impossible to successfully lead your peers. There just seems to be something, I don't know whether it's an Australian culture thing or something, but you get a bunch of 21 year olds and say, oh, this, this one person's gonna be the leader of this group. Yeah. Bit of friction, but 25, you can have a growth group of 25 year olds and there's 25 year old leaders and it seems to go, yeah, there you go, for what it's worth, that's for free. Okay. Uh, I've got another tip for growing fruit on other people's trees. Very simple one. If you've got an activity on Friday afternoon that you're running, Let's say it's craft and you're doing the craft, um, you're creating dens because it's about Daniel and the lion's den. Then I would spend the next couple of days leading up to that Friday praying and thinking about who's one person you can come along with you to help you in the process. And by the way, this happens organically a lot. I see this a lot when there's good relationships between youth leaders and some other people, maybe older kids or even other youth leaders. And then at the end of the night, reflect. How did it go, do you reckon? Give them a chance to think about ministry. You move immediately from absorber to giver when you're asked to critically evaluate how that event went and you were part of it. I've got a statement here. What do you think it means, Mike? We need to disciple the heart and disciple the hands. What do you think that means? That's a good question. I imagine uh, that it might mean something like you want to engage people with the gospel and think about it from a um, an individual level, if you will, their relationship with God, uh, their their life, but also disciple them into using the gifts God has given them to serve. Actually, there's something good about discipling a person's heart. Like you want to build their character. So teaching them what God wants for their life, the way Jesus wants to model their life. So I think there's something really good about that. But at the same time, we also want to give them experience and hands-on experience. And I think that's where um, having various, we've talked about this in other pods as well, within a youth ministry or kids, be like having leadership roles that aren't all exactly the same. Mm. So 
if if it's the case that in your youth ministry every youth leader has to be able to write and lead a Bible study, give a talk, then you're going to have a smaller pool. Like people need to be at a particular point in their maturity. Uh, they need to have particular gifts to do those things. But if you can divide up some of the roles, if you can have some people who, you know, you might have someone who's going to look after all of the all of the tech side of stuff, the sign in, the sign out, the thing you, and that's what they're going to come and do. And whilst you might not have them lead a Bible study group, they can actually come and serve and be involved in the in the ministry in that way. You might have people who come and organize all the games and the resources that are needed for activities and the food and stuff. And so they don't, and so do you see what I mean? You can, you can have people who are at different levels of maturity and giftedness, and that's not as in then they're less gifted, they're just gifted in other areas. Because otherwise you're not, yeah, if every, like it's just a bit of a cookie cutter, it's a bit of, a, and that becomes a problem because the, the church is a body. <laughs> and so, and doing that in your kids' ministry as well is where you can have, you can meaningfully have the grade nine kid involved without giving them a role which is beyond them. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think thinking hard about that. And I think that's the probably the, the summary, right, of all this stuff, is if you're going to disciple people well, you've got to do the whole thing within a bigger plan and think about how all the parts fit together. Discipleship needs to be part of a longer-term plan of where the ministry is that involves both thinking about what we're doing in our ministries and how we're leading, how, we're, we've got our, how our leadership pipeline is set up such that we would disciple people who can become disciple-making leaders in youth ministry. That's exactly right. We want to raise disciples who are going to raise disciples. And that's how 2040 is going to be flourishing. Really. We're proudly brought to you by Taz Youth Convention and Vision 100.